0: your expected profits on paper should match up with your, your cash. You should start to see improvements. If there is still a gap, then we can almost conclusively say it can be one of several problems. It could be that there is ongoing fraud in your business or theft in your business that you have not noticed. But clearly, the business is leaking. And when a business leaks this way, it's either one of two ways. It's either somebody stealing cash from your business and there are different ways to steal cash from your business um, one way could be that when the customer is coming to buy the sale never makes it to your records your people are not recording the sale they just take the money from the customer and pockets the money and the customer walks out with the good so the, the sale never made it to your records that's one way another way is the sale actually makes it to your records but your people take the money before it gets to the bank that's one way or maybe your money is getting to the bank, but you've been hacked, but you don't know. Somebody has been taking money out of the um, bank account of the business. You don't know. So there are several ingenious, creative ways you can, you can take money out of a business. And the thing is, you may not know these things, but the benefit you have is that the data is telling you that there is a leak and you can almost instantly find that leak because, like I said, there are two ways somebody can steal from your business. It's either they steal cash or the steel product. Every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the small starter business podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host, John Paul Iwoha. Today's episode is about how to repair a business that makes money, but is not profitable. I'm sure that to some people who may not have realized this, it's actually possible for a business to make money that sells. So you have customers, the customers are paying you, you're selling your products or your services. So the business is making money, but the business is not profitable. And by profit, I mean that after you have paid your after you've collected all all that money from your customers, you've paid your suppliers, you've paid your rent, you've paid your employees, you've paid off all the other costs of running your business. You just find out that there's really nothing left for you. Because in case you haven't realized, entrepreneurs eat last. Entrepreneurs eat last. We have to pay our suppliers first, we pay our employees, we pay rent we pay the bank if we've taken a loan, we pay the government their taxes and anything that remains, that's for us. So unfortunately, there are businesses that have customers. The businesses are thriving with customers. In fact, the number of customers are growing. They are making sales. Money is coming into the business. Money is coming into the bank account, but the business is is not profitable because the only person who is hurt when a business is not profitable is the owner of the business and any investors they have on board. These are the people who eat last. And these are the people who feel the pinch when a business is not profitable. So as you can imagine, a profitable business will have employees. These guys have a job. They are coming to work, but they don't realize that there is fire on the mountain, that the business is having trouble because you know why? If the owner of the business is not getting rewarded, for the business. Then what's the point? Why make every other person happy? Your landlord is happy. Your suppliers are happy. Your employees are happy. The government is happy, but you're not happy. Right? So what's the point? What's the point of that? So it's important to discuss this because this is a subject that affects entrepreneurs in a very personal way. And it can be very frustrating. Uh, but uh, apart from that, when it comes to a business that makes money, that makes sales, but it's not profitable, what it means is that your business is unable to retain or accumulate capital because that's what profits are. When you make profits in your business and you, you keep retaining the profits or you accumulate the the, the profits, it's from, it's from there that you get the capital that the business can use to expand itself, maybe buy equipment, buy other things. Or even expand into a new branch, a new location, or launch a new product or something. So when a business is unable to accumulate capital, there's a problem. Because there are only two ways capital can come. It's either you accumulate capital from the profits you're making in the business, or you keep raising money from the outside. You keep asking the bank for money. You keep asking investors for money. Unfortunately, raising money from the outside is not sustainable in the long term. The bank will want its money back. Your investors will want their money back. The only money you have is your own. So that's why you need to, it's an important matter that you need to create your own internal capital. Most businesses that grow sustainable, that's, that grow sustainably actually accumulate their capital from the internally generated funds, from retained profits. That's where the accumulated capital comes from. So what this leaves us is with the illusion of the leaking bucket. That's what I call it. It's a leaking bucket. So a leaking bucket, for some types of leaking buckets, it may not be obvious that this bucket cannot hold water. So you can accept water, you can pour water into it, and it looks like there is water in the bucket. But the moment you leave it for some time, all the water disappears. And that's because it's a leaky bucket. It cannot retain capital. It cannot retain the content. And that's exactly what a business that makes money but is unprofitable is. Money is coming into your business, but because it's a leaky bucket, you cannot accumulate um capital because you're not making any any profit. So, like I said, it's it can be a very frustrating experience that makes the business unable to grow. Because for that kind of business to grow, you have to just go and get money from outside. If you're not making profits, there's not much that can that you can do. So now that I've given you, I've shared the background of what this problem is what could be wrong? So you, you have a business, you're working hard on, you've put your heart, soul, and might, your blood, sweat, and tears into this business. You're working so hard, money is coming into the business, your bank account is swelling, but when you pay everybody, suppliers, employees, rent, all the money just disappears, right? So as you can imagine, yes, this is a podcast for African entrepreneurs, but it's also a very logical podcast, Because we want to look at the real problems. And right, what I'm about to say ordinarily should not be a thing, but I just have to say it because I've I've seen all kinds of weird stuff out there. I'm I'm in a very interesting profession because I have the opportunity to listen to a wide range of problems that entrepreneurs are facing. And what I'm about to say, I'm I'm just going to say because the first few times I heard it several years ago, it was humorous to me. I thought I thought it was funny, but Unknown to me, there are people actually take this thing seriously. So, some people actually think it's some spiritual attack. Some people think it is some supernatural force that is... Right? See, business is like science. If you know what you're looking for, you can actually plot the holes. It's like you have a plumbing problem in your house. And rather than fix the plumbing problem or find a plumber who can fix the problem... You're attributing it to all sorts of things that are unrelated to the problem. Now, the, the unfortunate thing is that this whole approach of hiding from the problem will only worsen the situation. Because until you face up to the problem and try to figure out what exactly is wrong and stop taking the easy route of jumping to conclusions, conclusions like... Uh, Somebody is working spiritually against me. Somebody, I'm not saying I don't believe in, I have my own spirituality, but when it's time to be serious, we need to be serious. When it's time to be spiritual, let's be spiritual. When it's time to play, let's play. You can't bring spirituality into business when you haven't taken care of the basics. So this episode is for rational thinking entrepreneurs who are serious about figuring out problems, right? Because I've tried and I feel like you can't help somebody who is closing their eyes to a problem. It's difficult. You can say everything. You can show them all you want to show them. They will never see it because they are intentionally blinding themselves to the problem. So like I said, on a good day, what I just said should be unnecessary. But I just had to say it because these are the things I'm seeing on the front lines, right? So back to the topic. When a business is making money, you have customers, you're making sales, and the business is not profitable. What exactly could be wrong? So I'm going to take you step by step. This is how I would work through a business. This is how I walk through with clients. These are the areas I ask questions, right? When a business shows those symptoms. And usually the person, when when the entrepreneur has this problem, they usually show up confused. They're like, I have customers. Every time you come to my shop is full. You know, they're always buying and buying my bank account, but... It's as if something is, something I cannot explain is wrong. I've been running this business like this for three years, but I haven't been able to buy a single shirt for myself or take my kids on vacation because I can't find the profits. I can't, it's not that sort of thing. So they, they show up very confused, very frustrated. And I can empathize because it's a strange problem. It's a strange problem because if you don't have customers or you are not making sales, it's an easier problem because you might think the reason I'm not making profits is because I'm not making sales. But when you are making sales and customers are trooping in and out of your business and you cannot show the rewards for it, then I can imagine why some people might attribute it to the supernatural, right? So what exactly could be wrong? Before I even delve into the issue, a condition, a precondition is that for the for anything to work, for me to be able to help you, we need data, Right? Because without data, we don't know what we don't know. Without data, we don't know what we don't know. We cannot plug your leaking bucket if we don't know where the bucket is leaking and how bad the leak is. Is it a tiny, is it a tiny leak like the type you make with a pin or is it a wide gaping hole? We cannot solve the problem if we don't know where the problem is. So we need data. And when I say data, There are two main types of data I I want. I want to see sales data. How much money is actually coming into the business? By sales. You sell your product, you sell your service, your customers pay you, that is sales. Can we see some data? So how much sales did you make last month? How much sales did you make last year, the whole of last year? How much sales have you made in in the last six months? I don't want to hear, I think I made, we just, we need the data. And- Of course, there are several ways you can get this data. I'm going to talk about it shortly. The second type of data I want to see is your expense data. So your customers pay you all this money and they walk out of your office with your products. What do you spend the money on? What is the business spending the money on? How and what is the business actually spending the money on? Right? When it comes to data, you don't have to go over the board. It can be as simple as that you can be, you can get data from manual Manual approaches, manual methods. This can be like your books of entry, like your sales ledger, your expense ledger, you know, stuff like that. So if you're, if you've been writing down your sales or you've been logging it somewhere, that can help. Another way could be your bank statements. If you are a business that does, you accept payments through bank transfers or point of sales or your customers pay you cash and then you dutifully and consistently pay the money into your bank account. By the time you print out your bank statement, it should be a reflection of the performance of your business in terms of the sales and the expenses. Because what a bank statement will show me is how much money is coming in or how much money came in last month and how much money you spent. So we need to have some form of data for us to even know where the leak or the problem is. Now, if you don't have the data, you can scream for as long as you want. You can blame as many supernatural forces as you want. Those guys will just end up taking your money, but the problem will persist. Why? Because data is what allows us to sniff out the problem. Now, if we have the data, then we can start to work. The first point I'm going to look at from the data is... I'm going to examine the unit economics of your product or service. Now, don't let the term astound you. What unit economics means is that I want to look at how much it costs to buy, make, or sell one unit of your product or service. So, if you sell shoes, how much does it cost to... If you make the shoes, how much does it cost you to make? If you buy and resell, how much does it cost you to buy? Just one pair of shoes. If you render a a service, either maybe you do a training program or you're a hairdresser, how much does it cost you to attend to one customer? Just one customer. How much does it cost you in terms of time? So, right, how, how long, how long does it take you to make a customer's hair? You know, and then we can find out the unit economics. So what I'm looking for is I want to know the unit costs in terms of direct costs, the unit cost of your product or your service. And then what I'm going to do is I'll compare that unit cost to the unit price because many businesses know their unit price. They will tell you that product is $70. This one is $100. Oh, that other one is $500. Most of us know the prices of our products. But what I find is that many entrepreneurs don't know the unit cost or they think they know. So for example, they may think they know how much they bought the product. But that may not just be all, because the direct cost is how much it costs you to buy the product or make the product and then sell the product, right? So it's important that you understand that unit cost. And like I said, I'm going to compare the unit cost to the unit price. What am I looking for? I'm looking for something that's called the unit margin. So unit margin means how much money in terms of profit am I making from selling just one unit of the product or just one unit of the service. That margin is important. In some businesses, it's called the cost of sales. Generally, it's known as the cost of goods sold. So I need to know on a, on a unit basis, on a single product basis, how much money is this business making? Now, unit margin is very important because it doesn't matter if you sell 1,000 of your products or 10,000 of your products. The basic units. Of your sales is one product so if you're not making any reasonable margin on one product you are not going to make any reasonable margin with 1,000 products in fact you're just multiplying the problem because if the unit margin is poor it doesn't matter if you sell 10,000 or 100,000 the unit margin is poor you're just scaling up the problem you're scaling up the inefficiency so I'm, I'm looking for the unit margin why is the unit margin important now if you are in a business where the unit margin is small, the implication is that you will have to either raise your price or sell more product. In fact, if you cannot raise your price, for most um, businesses that are constrained with small unit margins, the only solution is to sell more products, is to do higher volumes, sell higher volumes, right? So you might be looking at it that because you have 50 customers, that the business is making money. But by the time you look at the unit margin, you might find out that for this business to break even, we actually need to sell 300 units of this product or service. So even if you're doing 100 customers and it looks like you're selling 100 customers is a lot, what the data will show you is that you're actually in a lost position. To to even smell profits, you need to sell at least 300 so unit margin is very important. Now, having said this, when I say small unit margin, it is, it's a, re- it's a relative term. And, and here's what I mean. There are some businesses where you look at the unit margin and the unit margin is 60%, right? So you are making for every product that you sell, let's say the product is worth um, $10. For every product that you sell, you're making $6. That's the unit margin in terms of the gross profits that you're looking at. You're making $6 for every $10 that you sell. You might look at that kind of business and say, wow, that's a high margin. Yes, it may be a high margin, but th- there may also be another business that sells to big companies. And this guy only sell, he's selling a service and the cost of that service is $1 million, $1 million. But his margin on that $1 million is, is small. It's just 5%. 5% on $1 million is $50,000. That is the amount of money that some businesses make in a month or even a year, right? So the margin is, is relative. That term is relative. You may have a small margin, but if the size of the order is large, a small margin might be a solid deal. If you're making 1% or $1 billion, that's a lot of money, right? So it, that's an important thing for you to, for you to keep in mind. So having said this, if I look at the margin and I'll see the margin and um, depending on what the margin tells me, the next thing I'm going to look at is your pricing. I'm going to examine your pricing. And, and the reason why your pricing is important is that your pricing is the ceiling of your unit economics. So your unit economics is about how much are you selling this product for, the unit price, and what is the cost of the product. So let's look at the ceiling first. And the reason why your pricing is important is... If you can, if you can raise your price, you can improve your, the profitability position of your business. Right? So, what I look at, when I look at raising prices, and I've, I've done previous episodes on pricing, you can't just willy-nilly raise your price. Because that might, that's just a wish. Um, Prices do not exist in isolation. Your pricing is always relative because Every time a customer wants to buy from you, the moment they see your price, that's an important piece of information that they use in their heads to compare with other businesses that sell that same thing you are selling. So the more identical your product is with other your, with your competitors, the more likely your customers are going to place a huge importance on the the differential, the difference in, in, in your pricing. So the question I would want to ask is, does your pricing reflect your competitive strategy? And for me, that's like the, the most important external influence on the pricing of a product. How much are your customers charging? And what is your relationship to that landscape? So when I say competitive strategy, um, if you've been listening to this podcast for some time, you will know that I have a principle, which is every um, customer is different. All your customers are not the same that's a very important principle. All your customers are not the same. And when I say all your customers are not the same, how are you positioned in your markets? Are you a premium product? So if your product is positioned as a premium product, what it means is that your price should be higher than your competition because you are providing extra value given what you sell. So Is your competitive strategy to be a, to be a differentiated premium player? If that is what you are, then your pricing has to reflect it. So when I, when I compare your pricing to your competitors, your pricing should be higher. And why is it higher? Because you offer more. You offer more than your competitors offer. That's what you mean by premium pricing. If your competitive strategy is that you are a bargain, if you are, you are a bargain player. So by bargain player is you are targeting um consumers or customers that are sensitive around pricing so what that means is if that is your competitive strategy then your price should match or beat the competition that's how it should work your price should match or beat your your competition and if you have a product range is the pricing optimized for your business for your kind of business that's a very important consideration if you have a product range, is a pricing optimized for, for your business? So pricing, I'm going to look at the pricing depending on the kind of business you have, depending on the kind of products and services that you have. It will be an important consideration. Um, as I look at your, as I look at um, your business and the, the situation of your unit economics. The next thing I'm going to look at is to examine your sales volume. And this is very important. So your, your sales volume, when I talk about sales volume, what I mean is, what is your average revenue per customer? Before I even look at average revenue per customer, now, when you talk about sales, there are two things that you need to consider. There's a price and there's a volume. So how much are you selling for and how many of your products are you selling? So in terms of the the volume, what I'm looking at is for the average customer, how, how many of your products do they buy? Or what's the volume that they do? And I, I can tell that by the average revenue per customer. If your customers are buying more, the average revenue per customer will be higher than a business where customers are not buying as much. So that's an important piece of information I want to look at. And based on what the data is telling me, the next question I want to, I want to answer is how can you increase the average revenue per customer by increasing the order size? So other size means, let me give you an an example. Let's go back to the shoe example. I'm a business, I sell shoes. I sell shoes for men and women, right? So a customer might come and just buy one pair of shoes. It might just be that based on the kind of shoes that I sell, most customers will buy just one pair. But what happens if I can increase it to two pairs on the average per customer? All of a sudden, my sales is going to experience a bump because I'm selling more. Even though I've not changed my price, because I'm selling more, my, my, my sales numbers will go up. So what are the interesting tactics you can use to increase the size of the average order of your customers? In terms of the, the number of products that they buy, the number of services, how can you make the average customer buy more? And there are a couple of ways you can bundle offers bundle offers means if i use the shoe example if i sell one pair of shoes for $100 and i set up an offer to say one pair of shoes is $100 but if you are buying three pairs of shoes you can buy it for $250 guess what i have instantly created i have instantly created an incentive for customers to want to buy more because if you're going to buy three pairs of shoes anyway uh, that will cost you $300 you might as well just save $50 now if you buy three. So that's one way of influencing the other size. Another way will be to upsell. Somebody wants to buy one thing. So for example, you you came to buy shoes and I'm like, you know, shoes, nice, but I have this range of belts that really go well with these shoes. Or if I'm talking to a female customer, I'll be like, I have this really solid set of handbags that go well with these shoes. So the customer came to buy shoes, but they will walk out of my office with shoes and handbags why because i upsold them i know that it's unlikely that the woman will wear just shoes alone most women will want to complement their shoes with a handbag or any other accessory and by being able to upsell i am increasing the average revenue i'm making per customer or i could cross sell right Maybe I'm selling shoes, but there might be an opportunity. I might have another business or another product that is unrelated to shoes, right? It can be something else, some offer that I I cross-sell. That may be another way of increasing the average order per customer. So that is for increasing the average order per, per customer. Now, the other thing I can do is besides increasing the average order per customer besides increasing how much my customers buy when they buy i can also inc- i can also work to increase the number of times they buy so here's what i mean if my average customer buys one pair of shoes in a year so that's my average customer because i i sell high end shoes they buy my shoes but they only buy it they only buy one pair of shoes once a year if I can make them buy shoes two times a year, I would have improved my sales performance. But the thing now is, how do I influence them to buy, to come back and buy shoes, you know, two times instead of the normal ones that they buy without compromising the quality of my shoes or, or the value that they are getting? One way could be a loyalty program. You know, if you are able to refer a new customer to me, you get 20% off the next time you come to buy. So all of a sudden, there's an incentive for my customers to refer their colleagues at the office. You know, this guy, he sells really solid shoes. That's why I get my stuff. Very solid guy. You know, here's his number, call him. And then just by referring that customer, the customer that referred is getting 20% off. So it's a way I'm influencing the frequency of purchase, right? And of course, there are other things, subscriptions, uh, businesses use subscriptions these days to increase the frequency of sales. When somebody subscribed to something, for example, a gym, I could have two options. I could say, you can pay $20 per month for a gym membership. And I know you want to lose weight, you want to tone your muscles and all that. It costs $20 a month. You can pay $20 a month. So for a full year, if you pay every month, that's $240 for a full year. But guess what? If you're going to pay for one year in advance, you can actually pay $180. What that means is that you're saving yourself $60, right? So what this has done is, you know, there's a likelihood that the customer registers in January. They pay for January, pay for February. And we know what happens to people. People change their mind. People get distracted. People get... um, obsessed with their work or they move out or something. The customer may, might pay for January and February and may not pay for the rest of the year. And what that means is that I have lost that revenue for the rest of the year. But by introducing a subscription offer, I have locked in the customer for a full 12 months, right? Right. Even though it's at a lower price, it is assured revenue. I am now I am getting money I should have gotten in March, April, May, June, July and for the rest of the year I'm getting all that money up front. Why? Because I influence the frequency of purchase. This is a customer that would have been buying month month by month, but now I increase the frequency by influencing the customer to buy for 12 months in advance. So, these are things I'm going to look at as ways of improving the sales volume. Remember, Sales is about two things, your price and the volume. If you, if you can improve your price and your volume at the same time, you can grow your sales. If you can improve any of them, either sale, either price or volume, you can boost your sales. So these are some of the things I'm going to be looking at. And remember, it's not, it's not a one size fits all. Depending on the business I'm talking to, the recommendations might be different the, the things I'm going to ask them to do. So it's going to differ for, for, for different businesses, depending on the situation of the business, depending on what you sell, depending on your kind of industry, and particularly it depends on your, on your circumstances. So, so far I've talked about um, of course, I started with we need data, so you have to sort, sort out your data. Without the data, we cannot find where the leak is coming from. And then I, I said the first thing I'll do is to look at the unit economics, and then the second thing is to examine your pricing, and then the other thing is to um, examine your sales volume. The next thing I'm going to be looking at, which is usually very interesting for most businesses, is the cost side. And when I'm when I talk about cost, I'm looking at the costs of running the business, the overheads, the indirect costs. So previously, we've looked at a different kind of cost, which is the cost of buying, making, or selling your product. Those are direct costs. They are tied to the individual product you're selling. You're not going to add the cost of your rent to the price of your one shoe. Even though, yes, you're going to consider it, but it's not a direct cost of the shoe. You're not going to include the salaries into the cost of the shoe. Right? Those are indirect costs. And those are the costs I want to talk about now. Your rent, salaries, and all the other unrelated costs of your business are known as overheads. That is what it costs you to run your business. They might be indirect costs. Buying fuel for your car is not a direct cost. I cannot, I cannot directly attribute it to the shoes you are selling. But you need fuel. You need fuel to run the generator. You need internet access. You need to pay salaries. The person at your front desk or your customer service person, I can't directly relate her salary or his salary to the cost of your shoes. So those are overheads. The cost of your manager's salary and all, all other things. The advertising you did on Facebook for your business. You advertised your business or you advertised your shoes, but I cannot really tie those costs directly to one single shoe. So all those things are overheads and those are the things I, w- I, w- I want to look at next. So what I want to do is, now that we have the data, I want to look at the, um, I'm going to compare your major expenses as a percentage of your total sales. So what, um, how much money did you make last year in terms of sales? Let's imagine it's $100,000. What's the total amount you paid for salaries last that same year? You see? So let's imagine you paid $20,000. That means your your salaries are 20% of your sales. How much did you pay for rent? And and what's the percentage when compared to your sales? How much did you pay for marketing? How much did you pay for transportation, for utilities, for lights and stuff like that? I'm going to look at all these, all these things. And what I'm really looking out for is I'm looking at the top three to, I'm looking at the top three or top five expenses. So as a percentage of your sales, which ones are the top three or the top five? Now, the reason why I'm looking at the top five is it's likely those are the areas where the leaks are coming from. I, I'm just, I'm prioritizing. If I don't have the, I, I don't have the time to be looking through every single thing, depending on the kind of engagement this is. So I'm going to prioritize. What are the top five overheads that are costing this business money? Is it your salaries? Is it your rent? Is it, you know, whatever these things are. And I'm going to investigate these things, right? And keep them on a watch list. Sometimes from experience, I'm going to share a couple of things that I find. Sometimes it may be that this business is, is trying to belong to a category that it doesn't have any business in. It doesn't have any business in. And what I mean is, sometimes the rent is the culprit. You're making all these sales and everything. And the person who is really enjoying the benefits is your landlord. Because your rent is too expensive for the kind of business that you have. Or sorry, your rent is too expensive for the level of sales that you have. So what it means is that your sales are punching above their, their weight class. Your sales are not enough to afford you the kind of office you're using. Sometimes it's sales. Sometimes it's salaries. I find sometimes it's salaries. And, and they, they usually come in two ways. It's is, is likely you've hired more people than you need. Or you are not paying, or you are paying them much more than your business can afford. So maybe you are you are hiring people who you were desperate not to lose. So you had to make promises, and your business is struggling to make those promises of salaries that you said you want to pay. So yes, I'm, I like that you want good people in your business, but your business cannot afford that level or that size of salaries. And that's where the problem is coming from, right? Sometimes it might just be with um that thing they call logistics. The business is spending so much on repetitive transportation almost all the money is going to ride hailing uber and boats and things like that and you're asking yourself why all these movements why are we why are we wasting you know money doing all these things so I'm going to be looking like I said I'll be looking for the for the top three to five. Um, expenses that are taking a chunk out of your sales. And even if none of them jump at me now, I will add them to a watch list. And what I mean by a watch list is there are two ways data can talk to you. Data can talk to you immediately. That's you analyze the data and it tells you something immediately. Or the data can tell you something over time, which is a trend. So if I look at the data and say, okay, these are our expenses in January. These are our expenses in February, March, April, May, June, by the time I look at the data, it starts to tell me a story, it starts to show me a trend. You know, why are we spending more on salaries in February than we did in March? Something is wrong here. Did we hire more people? Did we promote anybody? Did we promise somebody higher salaries or stuff like that? So, data. if the data doesn't talk to you immediately, you need to put it on a watch list and then Give it time, and data will eventually talk to you over time. Because you can compare last month to this month, you can compare this month to this same month last year, right? So those are interesting things that that you need to look out for. And then the next thing I'll, I'll look at is the cost of financing, and this will ap- ap- this will apply to a business that has taken out a loan, right? Because we know that your your loans a loan directly impacts profitability. Why? For anyone who's who is not familiar with my work, particularly with this podcast, you would know that there's a, there's a marked difference between equity, debt, and what I call freebie funding. Freebie funding is grants, donations. Essentially, it's money you don't need to pay back. Equity is another interesting one. But the thing with equity is that when somebody invests equity in your business, you don't really owe them anything Except you want to pay dividends and dividends will come from profits, right? Except you want to pay them dividends. But anybody who's put equity in your business, you can, they can hold on. They are, they can exit the business by selling the stake in the business. They can earn revenue. They can, they can earn dividends later. But the problem, the immediate obligation is usually with debt. When you have debt in your business, you have to be paying off the debt, particularly the interest portion of the debt. And it's the interest portion of the debt that affects the profitability of your business. So, like I said, if you're conversant, you would know that I'm one of those people who have been bruised and battered by taking a loan to run a business and the loan turned out to be too expensive for the kind of business that I was running. And that can be a problem sometimes. Some people take out a loan to start a business. And you know the way it works. When you get the loan, it's a bulk sum. You get ten thousand dollars, or hundred thousand dollars at once. The loan. You're very excited, so you you go and get the office. You know that's where the problem usually start. You might because you have hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars. You get an office space that, although you don't know, is above your weight class, right? You have money, so you spend. You buy cars, you buy equipment, you hire people, and you you make promises because you have money. That loan, you make you make people big promises of salary. And then after you've spent the money, it's now time for the business to start making money from customers. The customers are coming in, you're making sales, but the sales are not enough to pay off the interest on the loan you've taken. And that's because from the get-go, you made some very poor choices and some poor decisions that put you in a position where the cost of running your business is higher than it should be. So it has an impact on your overhead. It also has an impact on the interest you're paying on the loan. So it can be an issue. And if you find that the interest, that the loan is a problem, the financing is a problem, you need to, con- you need to reconsider your financing options. And herein lies the conundrum. How do you get yourself out of a situation where your business is already owing money, but the business is not generating enough money? to make you a profit. It's a, it's a subject, it's a topic I've already addressed in a previous episode. I believe it is episode 49. Yes, it's episode 49 and the title is How to Get Out of Debt When Your Business Owes a Lot of Money. It's a very insightful episode. Um I I recommend you listen to it if you are in that kind of situation because in that episode I give specific advice on how you can get your business out of debt. If you find that you're in a position where your business is owing a lot of money and you are really confused and frustrated and you have no clue how to get yourself out of the mess. After financing, after that, if you've taken out a loan, if there's a loan in your business, the grand finale is to compare your expected profits to the actual cash. Because after we've looked at the data and we've seen all these things, we, we we instantly should know where the gaps are where the problems are. Is it your overhead? Is it your unit economics? Is it your volume that's a problem? Is it your price? You know, all these things. So your expected profits on paper should match up with your, your cash. You should start to see improvements. If there is still a gap, then we can almost conclusively say it can be one of several problems. It could be that there is ongoing fraud in your business or theft in your business that you have not noticed. But clearly the business is leaking. And when a business leaks this way, it's either one of two ways. It's either somebody is stealing cash from your business, and there are different ways to steal cash from your business. Um, one way could be that when the customer is coming to buy, the sale never makes it to your records. Your people are not recording the sale. They just take the money from the customer and pockets the money, and the customer walks out with the good. So the the sale never made it to your records. That's one way. Another way is the sale actually makes it to your records, but your people take the money before it gets to the bank. That's one way. Or maybe your money is getting to the bank, but you've been hacked, but you don't know. Somebody has been taking money out of the um, bank account of the business. You don't know. So there are several ingenious, creative ways you can, you can take money out of a business. And the thing is, you may not know these things, but the benefit you have is that the data is telling you that there is a leak and you can almost instantly find that leak. Because like I said, there are two ways somebody can steal from your business. It's either they steal cash or they steal product. Or if you're in a service business, if there's no products, they can steal assets. That's they can steal your equipment or steal supplies or stuff like that. But when it comes to profitability, the two key ones we're looking at is it's either somebody stealing cash or somebody stealing your products. Because when somebody steals your products, your business will feel the impact of the cost of that product. But because that product was stolen, there will be no sales. And that's where the gaps are coming from. So that could be one way that uh, that can explain why your paper profits, your expected profit, is not matching up what you're seeing. It could also be as a result of not collecting on debt. So you have customers that are still owing you and they haven't paid. So what it means is that you bought a product, you, you incurred costs for that product, you sold the product, but your business never got money for that product that you sold. So there will definitely be gaps in that way. Another way it could be a cash flow related problem, but that is beyond the scope of this um, conversation. I just, with this episode, I just wanted to give you a sense of the, the the aspects of your business you need to pay attention to that would give you clues as to what is actually going wrong In your business. Because like I said, business is scientific. It's like science. Right? Most times, one plus one will give you two in business. Right? And, and the detailed science of accounting explains it. The whole, um, um, double entry method and things like that. So a business is science. If one plus one is supposed to give you two, if one plus one is giving you anything less than two, the solution is to look at the data because the data will show you where things are, are going wrong. So at this point in the episode, let's recap. I started this episode by talking about the illusion of the leaking bucket. So the a leaking bucket might, look, might, might be able to collect water. It collects water, but it cannot keep water. And that's exactly what happens to a business that makes money, but is not profitable. What it means is that your business is making money, but your business cannot accumulate capital. And accumulated capital comes from retained profits. It's it's the profits you're making that you retain. You accumulate over time. And then with that capital, you can use it to expand the business. You can use it to grow the business. You can pull out the money to reward yourself for a job well done. You can take that as a reward for the risk you took, you know, but if you're not seeing that profits, then there is a problem. And that is what I hope I've um, helped um, to throw some light on with this episode. And then the next thing I talked about is The, the different things that could be wrong. But then I stated a precondition, which is that you need data to know where the leak is and to understand how bad the leak is. So you need data. That's the first place to start from. And then I said, once you have data, I would look at your unit economics. I'm looking at, I'm looking for your margin in terms of your unit margin, because if your unit margin does not favor you, it doesn't matter how many units of your, of your product you sell you are just magnifying the problem. So you start from the unit economics and then the next thing, depending on what the unit economics tells you, you can look at your pricing. And then I talked about pricing and I said, I will look at pricing from the perspective of the major, the most important external variable that would usually determine pricing, which is your competitive position relative to what your competitors are doing with their price. And then I talked about sales volume. I talked about ways You can improve sales volume. And then I talked about the cost of running the business, the overheads, which is often a problem with businesses sometimes. Well, because they are not paying attention to the data, a lot of the money that comes into the business from customers flows out of the business via expenses that are unnecessary, unwarranted, or wasteful, right? So those are important things you need to look out for. And then I said, finally, I would compare the expected profit to the actual actual cash, that's going on. If there is still a gap, I mentioned a couple of things. There could be fraud, theft. It could be an issue of, um, um, poor receivables. You're not collecting on, on, on debts and stuff like that. So at this point in the episode, a shout out to our, our, our partner, Queza. Queza is a platform that is opening vistas, international opportunities for merchants who as who have products to sell. You're in an African country. You're limited by your location, by your geography. You're limited by the kind of customers you can serve. Queza is doing something similar to what Alibaba did for the Chinese market, right? It's providing opportunities for merchants in within the African continent to sell in other African countries and to sell outside Africa, particularly in the U.S. markets in, um, in Europe and in the Middle East. Um, so, uh, to, to check out Queza, you can find it as an app on your, on the Apple Play Store or the, on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. And, um, you can search for Queza. Queza is K-U-U-E-Z-A. K-U-U-E-Z-A. Queza Seller is the app for merchants. And then Queza User is the app for people who want to check out the range of products that are available on the platform. Now, before I, I round up this episode, there are four interesting things I need you to um, consider the first is to join the insiders program. What you have experienced in today's episode is a methodical way of assessing business problems and getting to a solution. This is the benefits that our insiders have. Insiders are entrepreneurs who are building businesses within and outside Africa. And we are a private and exclusive community. These are the people who have direct access to me. They can find solutions to their problems. They can improve themselves via training. There are, there's opportunities for networking, meeting other entrepreneurs who are working on, who are working dutifully on achieving their, their business dreams. And that's one of the key benefits of, of, of being an insider. The second, um, of course, to check out the insiders, you can do that at smallstarter.com slash insiders. Again, it is smallstarter.com slash insiders. The second thing I want you to do is to tell your friends about this podcast. The quality of information you're getting on this podcast is practical, no frills. This is exactly what entrepreneurs are seeing on the front line. These are the basic frustrations. These are the mind-numbing problems that entrepreneurs have to deal with. I can imagine what it feels like for somebody to be going through this sort of thing where your business is making money, but it's not profitable. I can imagine it's so frustrating. You want to pull out your hair, right? But from listening to this episode, you have given you directions. You now know what to look for. You now know that you can't just um, attribute these problems to irrational things or supernatural stuff. It's actually within your control. It's actually within your, pr- your power. All I've just done is to arm you with the right knowledge. And with this, you can start to find your way and dig yourself out of the hole. And then, so of course, tell your friends about the podcast, about the Small Starter Business Podcast. Let them go on Google and search for Small Starter Business Podcast. And boom, we're right there at number one. They can subscribe and listen to our backlog of episodes. We cover a range of very interesting business problems, business challenges, and business topics. Um, the other thing I want you to consider is to give us a five star review. If you've been listening to this podcast, you love what you hear. You've been getting value on your app. I'm not sure what, what whatever app you're using to whatever app you're listening to this podcast on on Spotify, uh, Deezer, um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Look for the feature there that allows you to leave a five star review. Right. If if you're not ready for a five star review, you can wait until you you think we deserve it. But I think, um, given by the feedback, given uh, the feedback um, we've got from listeners, I I'm happy with the work we're doing, and um, I definitely look forward to providing more value as we go on. I'm available on social media on Twitter. I am at JP underscore Iwoha. On LinkedIn, I am John Paul Iwaha. On YouTube, I am John Paul Iwaha. And it will be nice to reach out. Let me know if you've learned something from this um, episode of the podcast and uh, let's connect. Until the very next episode, I, I want to challenge you to, I want to challenge you to embrace the logical first before you start to venture into the irrational. Entrepreneurship is a very practical endeavor. Entrepreneurs are very practical people. We deal with the problems in front of us. We don't abandon it and start running to the hills to look for things that are unrelated to what we're going to, what we're going through. As an entrepreneur, you have a problem, you roll up your sleeves and try to understand the problem. Solving the problem is a distant second because you cannot solve what you don't understand. And that's with understanding comes power. When you understand the problem, all of a sudden solving it is it's natural. It's natural, but you need to learn to understand problems. Don't be scared of problems. Don't be intimidated by problems. And guess what? The better you are at problem solving, the more value you can create. And that's why people value experienced people. Experience comes from confronting problems and overcoming problems, but you'll never overcome problems if you're always running away from your problems. So if there's any takeaway from this episode, be bold in front of your problems be curious to understand your problems and naturally, you'll be able to overcome those problems. Until the very next episode, take care of yourself. Uh, Be safe. Cheers. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside!